What's up, guys? Mitch from RespectMyRegion.com, back with another episode of the North American Weed Tour podcast, looking at legal cannabis across the country and beyond. Today, I got special guests coming to us from, I don't know, you guys consider the Midwest? Is that, is that accurate? Is it Midwest or? Technically, yeah. Technically, yeah, okay. So I, yeah, I, was, I don't want to assign a coast to you guys, you know, I know you got <laughs> lakes, but you don't got a, you know, ocean next to you. But anyways, Cloud Cannabis, I got John McLeod and Nick Schaefer today. How are you guys doing today? Great, Mitch. Great. Thanks for having us. Awesome. So I kick off every episode with our guest origin story with cannabis, whether that's personal, professional, whatever you choose to be vulnerable sharing. Purpose of this is just to kick off every episode, just helping break down the stigma and talk about how we all kind of got started in what the fuck we're here to talk about. So, John, since you're you're digitally sitting right next to me, we'll we'll, we'll kick it off with you, man. I'm curious, kind of your, your your personal origin story with the plant. Yes. And thank you, Mitch. Um, so my personal origin story is it's a bit long, so I'll try to cut it down to snippets here. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was injured at work and um, had several surgeries, blah, blah, blah. They put me on the opiate train. So it's a very familiar story for a lot of people. Fortunately, um, you know, my wife sat me down after about six months of using opiates and said, this isn't working for you you know, you're not being a good father, you're not being a good husband, you're not being a good person. And, you know, the scary thing for me, Mitch, is I had no idea, man, I was cruising. I thought, you know, I thought I was treating my pain successfully and, you know, no issues, right? And um, it was, you know, it was very, it was a very sobering conversation, pardon the pun, uh, when she said that to me. So I had a good friend of mine who's been in the cannabis industry really since its inception in Michigan. He's a doctor and he was ready for me to come see him. He gave me a recommendation. I, uh, you know, had a good experience at a dispensary in Ann Arbor, which is, you know, the cannabis capital of Michigan. Um, and uh, it was like this, man, just flipping a switch. Hmm. I knew right away. It just, it fixed me. It healed me. It allowed me to be healthy. Um, it allowed me to be the best person I could be. And it really allowed me just to regain the individual that I was prior to my injury and surgeries. So um, that's kind of my journey to cannabis. I was never a cannabis user in my youth. Um, you know, my I came to cannabis very late in my uh, in my lifetime, but I am extremely fortunate for the plant. It saved my life, and it's you know allowed us to actually start a, a business to help other people as well. I love that. What about yourself, Nick? Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to follow that one, but uh, very similar story, a little bit different than John. I was always. Uh, I think I started smoking when I was like 13 years old and kind of, you know, at the time my parents were highly against it. Um, so I kind of weaned away from it, still smoked quite a bit, but uh, not as much as I was. And then, um, you know, in my, I guess, junior year of college, um, I was growing and stuff like that, but, uh, you know, wasn't an avid user as much, but in my junior year of college, I got in a really bad jet ski accident. Um, had to be a hard ass and and not go to the hospital and i i quickly regretted that um you know i i ended up having severe back pains started going to a chiropractor for almost two years straight five days a week and i could never really fix it and then one day i was just rolled over in my bed and i couldn't even move and i was just laying there and i would remember telling my girlfriend at the time i'm just like i i can't move i, I don't know what to do and uh ended up calling my college roommate that i was was growing cannabis with and uh just told him i don't care what you got just bring it over man i'm dying like i need something just so i can fall asleep 
And, you know, with that being said, I was kind of laid up for a while, wasn't able to go to the chiropractor and I started smoking like constantly for like two weeks. And then it just, you know, after about a week, I was starting to feel much better. And, uh, you know, ever since then, never visited a chiropractor again and have never stopped consuming cannabis. <laughs> That's the key, the key point there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I love that. Two, two, two medical patients in the, in the building today, man. Love, love that. That's what, you know, a big part of your guys' journey and appreciate you guys being vulnerable and sharing that. Definitely. I identify with that. I've spent fair, you know, far too much time at a chiropractor for my own back and, and personally found a lot of relief through cannabis and something that personally that I've talked about a lot that, um, that I, we don't hear about, you know, cannabis is a great uh, treatment for pain, but for me personally, like, when you deal with like chronic pain, it's like you have something that you can never turn off. And that like really like fucks with your your mental at a certain mm. point. And for me, cannabis mm -hmm. was always like it helped a little, you know, it helped with the pain, but it really helped like give me like a mental break from like something that I could never turn off. And that was I mean, I consume cannabis plenty recreationally as well, but that was always a, a big part of the medicinal benefit for me. Yeah, no question, man. I feel that for sure. For sure. Um, so, you know, now that we got your guys' personal origin story, what, what's, what's the deal with, with, um, cloud, I believe John, you're one of the co-founders. So I'm curious kind of what, what was the origin story of cloud cannabis co and, and, and when you guys got started, you know, take me back to the start of the journey. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of ties into my medical journey a little bit too. When, when, when I was, you know, when I was exploring cannabis as medicine, this was very early on in the industry in Michigan and Michigan, you know, real quick had a medical law in 2008 that legalized medicinal cannabis in Michigan, but really never set forth any type of legislation for stores. There was no type of dispensary model. So it was essentially what it did was it allowed a caregiver model to, to thrive where people could grow for patients and, and what have you. But it wasn't easy to navigate that as a new to cannabis consumer or somebody who didn't have a plug, so to speak. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I was a caregiver myself for some time and I had some patients that, you know, I would cultivate for and 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 cultivate for myself. But the, the retail experience was never really fully fledged out um, until the 2018 recreational law comes into place. Now there was a, a pathway for retail stores and for a real like legitimate cannabis uh, market. And at that point in time, we looked and there was just really not an experience that was accessible or really even easy enough for for newcomers, so to speak, you know, I mean, a lot of times you see, like, you know, Gorilla Glue 13 on a jar with some flour in it, that may not mean someone something to a 65 year old lady who's trying to treat her back pain, you know what I mean? So we kind of looked at it as there was a hole in the market to kind of dumb down the cannabis buying experience, really lean into education, and just kind of help guide people throughout the process. So based off of that, you know, after a lot of hard work and, and what have you, Cloud Cannabis Company was born in 2020. And, you know, we now have grown to eight stores across the state. We're in the process of building multiple other stores. We have 70,000 square feet of cultivation and a processing facility. So we're fully vertical right now. Um, so that's kind of where Cloud is at. 300 plus employees and just feel blessed every day to be in the position we are. Um, you know, we're impacting a lot of lives. We're putting a lot of food on a lot of tables. And, and that is really one of the, I think the most impactful things that we can do in the cannabis industry is, you know, I say jobs, jobs, jobs. There's so many jobs. There's more jobs in the legal cannabis industry in Michigan right now than there are between police and fire combined. 
So, wow. you know, iron and table auto two mechanics. Right and what's that? And auto mechanics. Being and, auto mechanics. There you go. and we're the Motor City. Yeah. And we're the Motor City. So, uh, I mean, cannabis has been a blessing to me, both, you know, personally and professionally. But, you know, I think cloud is really bringing something different to the market that we're really proud of. Yeah, that, that's impressive growth starting in 2020 to, to, to build to that many stores. Um, and, you know, you mentioned you're vertically integrated. So I'm curious, you know, certain markets are, are built around vertical integration. Certain markets don't allow, you know, I live in Washington. We, we don't allow it. Some, some people do it, you know, on paper behind closed doors. Um, but for the most part, it's not allowed. Um, certain, and like I said, certain states like medical markets like Florida it has to be set up that way. Obviously, you had that experience growing, you know, cultivating as a caregiver. And, and in that time period, you're 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 still involved in the commerce of it, even if you don't necessarily have a traditional storefront. I'm kind of curious from your perspective, what what are some of the pros and, and what are some of the cons of, of taking the vertically integrated model? Um, that's a good, you know, it's a great question. So in Michigan, you have the ability to be vertical or not vertical, you know, so there's five license types. One of them is cultivation, one of them processing, one of them is retail. So um, you can go after any of those licenses, depending on the municipality and zoning. Um, for us, being vertical is very important because, you know, we can control our own supply chain. So we're not really kind of at the mercy of the ebbs and flows of the wholesale market, which Michigan is. I mean, Michigan's the number three cannabis market in the country right now. Right. But we're following the same trends that California and Oregon and Washington and stuff like that. There's ups and downs and. The wholesale price of flour in Michigan right now is very, very low, very low. And croptober is a cometh. So it's going to get even lower. So being vertical allows us to kind of just regulate those pricing or that pricing into our retail store. It's very difficult for a standalone retail mom and pop operator without the back end cultivation or processing to really get the best pricing on the products in order to make their margins to stay viable um as a business so i think it's you know it's it's a market that you're best served if you're vertical just because you can kind of control your own meal is essentially the way we look at it um you know we purposely approached the our i guess our strategy with the state was always to be vertical so that we were ready to go no matter what the flow was with the wholesale market uh, that, that's a great that's a great point to have both of those both of those components right if you got retail you can sell everyone's product you got your own product you can kind of like you said control those margins a little bit more pad it when when the margins are a little bit slim and then when the margins are eaten you guys are definitely doing healthy um you know i know nick nick's rocking the, the wonder brett hat over there very familiar with the Nice. With, with the w logo nice. um and i know you guys do uh distribution if if i believe if i'm under the the correct assumption for that that brand as well as have some in-house brands so i'm curious nick kind of from your perspective of having that marketing background what's the approach of of building brands in-house versus um taking brands you know existing brands from out of state and bringing them to market or helping them come to the michigan market yeah first i mean with the wonder Rep brand we we're very fortunate to bring them to michigan um, you know, it is a very different setup than a typical licensing deal. Um, you know, we actually have Cam and Hiram. Cam is the wonder of Wonder Brett. We actually have him in Michigan growing the plants, um, you know, running that facility and his brother Hiram's there as well. So that one was an easy one for us. I mean, a very reputable brand from California. Um, but, you know, in-house, 
we kind of like to create products for every single segment of the market. So whether it's extracts, we want to have a high-end um, product for that uh, segment. And then we also want to have, you know, like a low end, I guess not low end, but, you know, more of a budget friendly. So we want to make or hit all of those touch points from a product standpoint, um, because, you know, what we find in the Michigan market is a very large percentage of what's purchased is at the very bottom of the price scale and at the very top. So you kind of want to cater to those two markets. And those are the people that are constantly trying new products. They won't necessarily be the most loyal but we definitely want to make very high quality premium products on one side of it. And then, you know, more of the budget friendly um, products on the other side of it. So that's kind of what we're targeting right now when we are doing product development. Um, you know, we kind of brought the Wonder Bread brand and we have mitten extracts as well, which is one of the top three vape cartridges um, in Michigan distillate. Um, but yeah, right now we're kind of focusing on expanding that product line and fitting into those different segments for price points. I think just to kind of piggyback on that a little bit, you know, Nick touched on it, but it's very important to highlight that our partnership with Wonder Bread is not a licensing only deal. You know, they didn't sign a piece of paper and we can grow our own flower and just throw it in a bag that has their brand on it. I mean, this is their genetics. This is their IP. This is the work that they've been putting in on the West Coast for 20 plus years. And it's it's been a it's been an amazing partnership, both in the quality of flour and the reception to that flour that the market has given us, but both in the character of the individuals in which we've partnered with. Uh, we're very culture driven as a company. We think culture beats strategy every day of the week. And these guys, they line up with us strategy wise, culture wise in every way. I mean, these are good family men. These are good um, people that care about the community. They care about their employees. They care about the plant, they care about the industry. And these are people that we are happy to be partnered with. And our Wonder Bread, um, you know, collaboration has been amazing um, from since its inception. We're very, very proud of it. And it's fire, it's yeah. fire. <laughs> hey, it's fire. They, they do a good job with the, you know, with the branding and the packaging, but they also make good on the flower. You know, that's definitely something I know, you know, from being on the West Coast, uh, definitely associate great, great terpenes with their, their flower. And they do a good job again, using just the cut, you know, even look at the, the logo on your hat it's real colorful. And they use that nice color palette matching on the products to translate into the, into the flavors in like a non corny way. Some people kind of take it a, and do it kind of explicitly, like almost too, obviously they do it in yeah. like a nice subtle way. I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of what they do. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know that, you know, certain people I saw a post um, from yourself on LinkedIn talking about the West Coast flower and how it's superior to the rest of the country. And but I get it. I mean, you guys got a lot more time in the legal <laughs> market than we do. But uh, there, there's some there's some fire coming out of Michigan. Uh, sure enough. I mean, there's some real because you got to remember, like I said, 2008, there was a, a medical law. So then mm -hmm. caregivers could grow on you know, a decent sized scale at that point in time. So people started really honing their craft. Then the home grow started becoming a more kind of like a quasi commercial grow, um, which is, you know, Nick knows a lot more about than I do, but um, that is certainly, uh, that's certainly people cut their teeth for a long time. So even though we're a new industry as it comes mm -hmm. to retail and people looking at the numbers and stuff, there is, I mean, there's fire coming out of Michigan, no doubt no doubt so i'll see what you said but i'll i'll happily welcome you um <laughs> over here in the great lake state um so that you can enjoy some of our local wares 
uh, I, I'll take when I, when I get up out there, I'm going to take you up on that. I've been, I, I've been talking shit from my, from my soapbox for a while. It was a little bit. It was a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> a little I welcome bit. you anywhere I go. I welcome anyone to put me on to, you know, onto something, something great, but you know, and that's a great thing to point out that, that, you know, the West coast really obviously is home to the cannabis culture. And even though I live in the Pacific Northwest, you know, we've been doing fire up here that often gets overlooked for everyone kind of putting their eyes on Cali. I mean, they got mm-hmm. the population, they got the movie, the music industry, you know, they, they get the attention. I get it. And when we think of, you know, Cali vibes, we associate that with cannabis, but yeah, to your point, you know, if you're growing indoor in the, you know, the right way, doesn't necessarily matter where exactly you're at. And, and like you said, if you've had a medical program and caregivers growing for, you know, a decade, two decades, people are going to know what the fuck they're doing at that point, for sure. Yeah. And really uh, the, one big, I think, surprise for a lot of people from out of state is the outdoor cultivation market mm. is pretty robust in Michigan, I think. And I could be wrong, Nick, but I think Right now, metrics says there's close to a million plants tagged right now, outdoor grow right now. So you figure that's all coming down here in the next six weeks. It's going to be a flood of it, which is, you know, roll me around in it. That's fine. But um, they they are getting some really some really good yields and some really, really quality products in just straight outdoor or hybrid grows. Hmm. Um, you know, summers are beautiful here in Michigan and the soil is really ripe for cultivation. So th- there's some really outstanding outdoor grows here as well. I love that. You, you got to highlight home. And that, you know, that, that leads me to one of the other questions is, you know, obviously like, you know, I come from Pacific Northwest where we're early in direct MSOs didn't really come out here. A couple were birthed in Oregon, morphed out of that state, but you guys are in one of the newer markets that, um, you know, it's more attractive to MSOs. MSOs are much more, you know, focused and narrowed in on entering the market at, at conception rather than trying to fight the battle once it's established. From the outside looking in, you know, Michigan looks like a little bit of a balance of like MSOs and then a lot of like state, you know, single state. And you guys are a pretty large single state operator to have, I mean, eight storefronts, the size of cultivation facilities you guys have. Like that's definitely something that's admirable, especially for being a single state company. So I'm kind of curious the the approach of of building this business in that state of like what's it like competing against MSOs as a as a pretty large like single state operator? Yeah, I think Michigan is is very unique in the fact if you look at the brands that have penetrated the Michigan market, very few MSOs have been able to successfully enter this market uh, thus far. Um, you know, very few. I mean, really, I can think of one exception that has actually made a, you know a decent footprint in the state as an MSO. Other than that, it's been really hard to penetrate the market. When Michigan adopted their ordinance, it was a ballot initiative. So it wasn't a bunch of bureaucrats sitting around in our capital writing a law that didn't make any sense to anyone. It was caregivers. It was people that have been fighting for legalization for decades that wrote this ballot initiative. So it really kind of favors a lot of ways Michigan Michiganders first. So really the cannabis the retail cannabis industry in Michigan is a property game first and foremost, because not all cities are in, they have to tell you if they're in or not. And then they tell you where you can be. And then it's a feeding frenzy to, to get property and get it licensed. The ground game in Michigan is real. Um, I've seen the ground game in other States. I've met with a lot of people. It's real in here. M- Michigan is about the hustle. It's about the hard work. It's the grit. We're a blue collar state. We're not, a, you know, I mean, we're not an overly educated state. There's no one sitting on top of ivory towers in here. I mean, we get down in the ground, we get dirty, 
And that type of grit and hustle, I think, is really hard to manage remotely with employees, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to kind of you got to get it. You got to want it. and You got to have the capacity to do it here in Michigan. So we've really kind of always had the approach that we're going to go, you know, wide and deep in Michigan. You know, we're not going to go thin and have one store in New Jersey, one store in Arizona, one store in Oregon. You know, that was never our approach. Our approach was really just to go into to be Michigan, to really be a top tier brand in Michigan, which we're well on our way to do if we're not already. And to make sure that we're, you know, being respectful of the plan and the industry in the same time. But it's it's been nice to kind of have us us Michigan guys just be able to, you know, put our put our stamp on the industry here. I'm born and raised in Detroit. I'm a Detroit public school kid. Never did I imagine that I would be, you know, that I would own a company that has 300 plus employees and we're and we're selling and growing cannabis. I mean, it's hmm. like I said, it's truly a blessing, but it's an opportunity that was presented to us, I think, uniquely as Michigan, just to be a Michigan first kind of thing. And the MSOs will come in, but they're going to come in at a premium now. Yeah. Like you said that they have a hard time putting up with that grit. You know, we always think of, of Michigan, like you said, is you know Motor City, home to Motor City. You guys really the the backbone for the the country's automotive automotive industry for some time, which I believe. Nick, did you have marketing background in, in the automotive space? Yeah, so I was actually at uh, Roush Performance. It's like an automotive aftermarket company that tunes like F one fifties. They also do a lot of the engineering um, for Ford. Um, on like their performance vehicles and stuff like that. So I was doing the caregiver thing back when I was in automotive, but uh, definitely as soon as I had the opportunity to make the switch, I did. I took it and ran, never looked back. So uh, I, I love that, man. I, I, you know, I, I built, I went to school and was doing the, the commerce of cannabis before it was uh, recreational, you know, and led me down my, my path as well. Um, but but I'm kind of curious from your perspective, some of those parallels and things you learn from the automotive industry. Some of some of my favorite people that do marketing in this space come from like mass marketing at, at car dealerships. And I know that just that industry, like the marketing in that industry is is very unique um, and, and not aggressive in, in nature. But there's just a lot of effort that goes into marketing for that space that people might not think about. So I'm kind of curious from your perspective, some of the parallels that you learned in that industry that that, that uh, move over to this space. Yeah, I mean, this space definitely has a ton of hurdles, as we all know, like, you know, to marketing. Um, There are a lot of restrictions and limitations. So really, you know, the only parallel and the parallel that sticks out the most to me is like the companies that were the most successful in the automotive aftermarket and automotive market were the ones that built like the best, highest quality products. And I find that even in the Michigan market, like a lot of companies, I mean, the one even Wonderbread, like, our marketing budget like what we allocate towards that it's it's minimal compared to what other brands put towards it because your loudest bullhorn and people that are talking about your products are the people that consume it if it's a quality product they're going to be your loudest person and your biggest fan advocate um so i think that's one of the areas that is very similar in the cannabis market Outside of that, I mean, there there is a lot of rules and restrictions that limit, but uh, the digital side is really, you know, learning that digital side from automotive and bringing that to cannabis. Um, no matter what you do when it comes to marketing and cannabis, you have to get creative. And, you know, I think a lot of that uh, automotive experience was very helpful for me because, I mean, how many different ways can you market a vehicle outside of horsepower, torque, you know, suspension, stuff like that? 
Um, so I think, you know, that did help me get a little bit more creative with my marketing tactics and a little bit scrappier when it comes to strategy, um, because you have a lot of people competing for the same marketing spaces. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's definitely helped substantially. So, um, I, I like that. You know, someone I had a marketing background as well. And that's that's what I always tell people about this space is like you have to be creative. There's so many, you know, just to be able to use Instagram in like a minimalistic way, you have to like understand these weird nuances and be creative. And and one of the beautiful things to me though about cannabis, I don't think enough people talk about more people kind of complain, oh, I can't run ads like this and that. I'm like, we had no problem buying and selling cannabis <laughs> without the fucking internet, without talk, without texting about it, without talking about this shit on the phone. We were able to converse in public without if you knew what was going on, you knew what was going on. If not, you yeah. didn't. So it's like we got to take some of those elements and still be creative in the in the marketing now just to overcome even though it's legal we still have words you can't use images you can't use so yeah it's like how can we creatively talk about the same shit without saying exactly what it is over and over right well to that point though that's kind of funny like that word of mouth back in the day used to be like the best way to push your product i mean that's kind of how we're changing our marketing strategy and we're really focusing on like the bud tenders themselves because they're the front line for us so we do a lot of events you know supporting these bud tenders getting the product in their hand you know hanging out with them showing them a good time at nighttime and that's been exponential in our growth um really you know making that connection with our bud tenders because like i said they're the front line for us yeah and you we've We've all been to that restaurant where you know you ask the waiter how's the how's the fish or something they say they don't eat fish you know and you all say yeah. well come on you know you, you, lie to me at least at this point in time you know don't <laughs> say you don't eat fish you know so i think to nick's point i mean we we really do want our bud tenders to experience the products in which they're they're selling but certainly the mm -hmm. products that we have in-house because obviously we know it's good and we know that they're really the front i mean they're the they're the power that moves the engine right and um you know them having to be able to have that firsthand experience and know what they're talking about the turf profiles the flavor the feel the experience all that kind of stuff is very important to us and and i think that's kind of that gorilla or mouth kind of um advertisement that we lean heavy on and and nick and his team are very agile i mean i think that's a great way to describe the marketing team for cloud cannabis is very agile because it's constantly changing you know the regulations are constantly bouncing around and we have a unique perspective because we have ohio and indiana south of us right they're both bordering states mm -hmm. neither of them have a recreational cannabis uh, uh law ohio has a very minimal uh, medical law so as you can imagine at some of these stores we see a lot of out-of-state plates you know <laughs> so how do you really market to someone who's not even in your state when you can't legally market in their state so there's 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 ways to do things kind of the old and the olden days with getting the word out that is really certainly i think helped us as a brand and, and you know shout out to nick and his team because they've been doing a great job for us yeah i, I love that the the word the word of mouth i mean that, that's how things move but uh especially in this space and, and i like that parallel you brought up with the uh with the waiter man i i know as me as a as a I'm, i love food and i love cannabis and i always say if you get me at the right restaurant or the right dispensary and i find you know who here is the biggest who who really gets down on eating or who really gets down on the smoking what are you having yeah what, are, what is your you know what are you buying after work that's what i want to buy man yeah you know, i'll trust their opinion they see it all yeah, we have um, we have a rewards program called the Cloud Club, 
And um, I, I proudly walk around with my chest pumped up because I have the most cloud club points out of anyone. And I'm, I'm happy to get, to see that number continue to grow because, you know, I love cannabis. I love to experience cannabis and new cannabis, different cannabis, but you know, I, I I'm an aficionado, you know what I mean? So um, there's certain some pride that comes along with that, but it's, it's, it's definitely a cannabis environment through and through. Yeah, John definitely accounts for quite a bit of the uh, revenue at some of our stores. <laughs> what can I say? It's a good shopping just, experience. You got can't wait. He's got to protect that salary, man. He's got to keep the revenue up. You know, <laughs> uh, you just re reinvest. Um, what's what? What do you feel like right now? Obviously, like you you mentioned, John, like you guys have had a caregiver program in Michigan that, that was fairly robust for a while. You guys have not well newer to recreational cannabis. Not quite as new as a lot of the places a little bit more east than you guys. What's the the consumer maturation at right now, right? Like I know in any market, even over here in the West Coast where we tout we're the most advanced, whatever, it's still, you know, THC chasers, you know, the, the average consumer is looking for the highest THC, the lowest price, you know, your top end of the market, your connoisseur, they might not give a shit about THC because they, you know, they've reached that that level of maturity of education. But what do you feel like the, the general consensus of the market in, in Michigan is looking like right now? Yeah, it sounds the same as yours a lot. I mean, there's a lot of um, THC chasers. There's a lot of budget chasers. I mean, we, we're working really hard to change that. Um, I think just collectively as an industry in the state, we're working really hard to change that, you know, leaning more into the Terps and, you know, the whole experience, you know, but um, there's a lot of that. But then there's, a, there's also a lot of people that, um, you know, were in the vapes or the gummies or the topical market only and shied away from the flower market entirely because of, perception, smell, being discreet, what have you. Um, what I seem to see is that, you know, people are coming back into that flower market uh, more openly than they ever were before. So that kind of hiding in the shadows, let's all go sit in the garage. It just doesn't really exist in Michigan. Uh, Michigan, people are very open about their cannabis use. It's not something that people have to hide anymore. So I think the, the, the fondness for flower is only going to continue. And with that, you know, the hope is that people understand the totality of the flower, the whole cannabinoid system and how it affect, how the flower affects it, as opposed to just some percentage number that a lab puts on there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and Nick, for, for marketing, how much how much emphasis do you see brands put on on THC? Is that kind of put into a lot of like packaging and people highlight it? Is it something that bud tenders are bringing up a lot? I know. Again, like out here on the West Coast, you know, I, I the industry, there's an echo chamber of everyone being like, this shit doesn't matter, but they still have to lean on it for the consumer because, you know, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't, if 100 consumers come in here and ask for something, you can't be like, no, you guys are stupid. You know, you, <laughs> that, that doesn't really work, you know? Yeah. yeah, for sure. We definitely see that in the Michigan market. I mean, at our stores, nine times out of 10, it's people asking for, hey, what has the highest THC potency? And that's kind of, what we're trying to do at our stores is better educate these consumers and kind of tell them about, you know, the minor cannabinoids, the terpene profiles, those different effects, um, you know, but heavily, I mean, people are relying on THC potency. I mean, people are still publishing it online. They're, they're promoting it as that, um, you know, that still drives a lot of the Michigan market is THC potency, but you are seeing more and more people kind of latch on to the terpene profiles. People are starting to get it more and more. Um, you know, I think a lot of the caregiver guys, they already understand that stuff, but it's really just educating the end consumer. Um, you know, that's kind of like a lot of the issues we're seeing right now, but uh, thankfully it's moving in the right direction. 
Yeah, and I, I would say in one of our stores, we have a store in New Baltimore, and the demographic of that store is really unique. It's decidedly decidedly older. Um, so that you know, they they go heavy on the concentrates, the gummies and whatnot. And I was at the store the other day and there was a gentleman that came in and he had $43 and he wanted to spend $43 and get as much THC as he could. And like, I mean, you know, okay, that's, that's his vibe, you know? So we made sure that we got him as much THC as we could for those $43. Cause that's what he was trying to accomplish. You know? So, I mean, there's, I guess there's a place for everyone. We say cannabis for everyone. So, um, you know, understand that people are on budgets and people have to make decisions on their, you know, on their money and choices and stuff like that. Sometimes it is about, just as much TSC as they can get for the money, but just working on that, you know, education piece to get particularly the flower consumers to understand that there's a bigger picture to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's where, you know, I wish, you know, a lot of these, you know, the markets don't allow it, but that's what I, one of the few things I like about Oregon's just south of me, they still have like the deli style. And it's like, it, it sucks from a certain perspective because like you look at it, it's just a bunch of jars on the thing. They don't get a lot of branding. The cultivator doesn't get a lot of love in, in that market. I like kind of the consumer package good model, but I like when it's like you put six jars on the table, you open them up, you look mm -hmm. at them and smell them. And it's like the last thing I don't ever hear anybody in there being like, well, how much THC does this one have? They just smell yeah. it and they're like, oh, this is the one, man. This is the yeah. one right here. Yeah, that's a great point. And that that was the gray market, as we call it in Michigan, was everything was deli style. I mean, walls and walls of jars. Uh, Cloud is actually in the process of kind of rebranding our retail experience to kind of be a hybrid experience. We're bringing back the jars mm. uh, for that experience. So, I mean, there's, you know, we're, we're seeing that we can still blast brown, or brands from these cultivators at the same time, really giving the consumer an opportunity to actually see the flower in its unpackaged state, you know, smell it, look at the profile, look at the turfs, look at the, the crystals. Um, and so we're, we're kind of redoing our floor model in order to give the consumer that, you know, that feel and touch to it. And, and, you know, I think it's going to make a big difference because it is, it feels more, I don't know, organic, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the laws are so restrictive about packaging in Michigan you can't see the flower unless you open it up. And at that point in time, you've already purchased it. And yeah. you know, the last thing you want to do is go home. You purchase a, you know, you went hard, you purchase a $55 eighth and it's, you know, just dry or it's just nasty. You know what I mean? Um, so, so I think that the deli style is going to come back strong in Michigan big time. Yeah. I, I just went through an experience the other day. I just bought some the, I mean, I, I get a, a lot of it. So I'm, I don't feel, don't feel sorry for me. You know, it was like, <laughs> I got that week, but I bought some high end shit that just came out, you know, no window in the bag, which Washington, we got a lot of that. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I cracked it open to review it, did a little bull. And I was like, literally went on Instagram. It was like one who, whichever one of my friends can pull up in the next hour can just have the rest of this fucking age. Like, <laughs> fucking trash, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would, yeah. I would be sick, though. If that was the only eighth I could afford the whole week, I would have just been every time I smoked, I would have been so agitated, man. It would have. Not, <laughs> yeah, but it still would have got consumed, though, I'm sure. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. thankfully, I'm blessed enough. I just like, kick that shit to the curb. I got I, yeah. I got I got more fire on the way uh, back. Back to you guys, man. What, what else? What else does cloud cannabis? I know you said this, this you're looking to secure some more stores you know, kind of working a new consumer experience in there. Well, what else do you guys have planned for the rest of, of 2022 and beyond that, that you can care to share? Uh, really going hard on our retail expansion. You know, um, we're expanding across the state just to have a full statewide delivery model. 
Uh, we're opening a couple of flagship stores on the west side of the state in the Grand Rapids market that we're very, very excited about. Um, you know, and I know the marketing team and, and the manufacturing team are working on launching some exciting new brands. Um, but we're just keeping our head down. We're just working really hard, you know, doing what we can do to, you know, make sure we're providing a good experience for our employees, for our customers, and and just, you know, expand to be the top cannabis brand in Michigan. I love that, man. I love that. Well, thank you guys for, for joining us today and, and sharing some of your story and putting people on to, to Cloud Cannabis for people out there who want more information, cloudcannabis.com or Instagram at Cloud Cannabis Co. Anything else before I get you fellas up out of here? Nick? Uh, you definitely got to hit us up when you're in town and we'll definitely show you some good Michigan weed, man. I was going to say the same thing, man. Come on, come through, Mitch. Come, yeah. come respect our region, baby. Come on. <laughs> you guys are, you guys are on my list and there's a couple people out there that, uh, you know, swear they're going to put me, you know, put me on and show me, show me, show me how to get right out there, man. I'm definitely looking forward to, to pulling up and, and seeing what you guys got to offer. For sure. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. This is the North American Weed Tour podcast. We are looking at legal cannabis across the map and beyond. We got more content coming out this week. Plenty of content up on the site, respectmoreregion.com. Uh, more podcast episodes this week, and we got some travel coming up. So check us out when we're in a city near you guys.